You're listening to Extra Textual. This is a show where we talk about an idea, concept, theme, trend, and relate it to some kind of media like film, TV, video games, books, music, and hopefully discover something about ourselves or our culture along the way. Thanks for listening. All right, welcome to the show. This is your radio doppelganger, Eli, and with me is Ben Grisanti's Topa, is what I understand, over the radio. How are you That's doing right. tonight, Ben? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thanks. Yeah. So uh, this is a little bit of a hard show to talk about, so it'll be a little interesting getting into it. But first, I want to mention that you've totally completed your first issue of your latest comic is that right that's right it's all completed it's been printed uh thanks again for contributing to our kickstarter i actually sent your rewards out today so nice you'll hopefully be getting awesome those i can't wait to, re- <laughs> so to read the real thing yeah that's great and yeah. um from what i understand you're starting to work on the second issue that's right we're getting uh pinup art together we've got some of the sequential art taken care of so I got to try to get that colored, and uh, right now just try to get some, you know, some nice pinups from a variety of different artists just to have to help promote the campaign. So Very we're cool. doing that right now. Uh, if you want to help keep tabs on us, uh, best thing to do is go to www.polybiusdreams.com. Nice. And I'll have updates there pretty regularly. Oh, very cool. And um, where can they support that one? Just by going to that website. Yeah, right now we're not live on Kickstarter. We won't be until uh, the end of the month. It's going to go live on the 29th. Okay. But uh, you can join our Thunderclap campaign, which right now doesn't have very many people supporting it, so I don't know how effective that is. <laughs> uh, but we can also send you an email when we are going to go live. So okay. Any support is appreciated. Great. I'll be keeping an eye out for that at the end of the month as well. Cool. Nice. So let's dig into Twin Peaks a little bit. Uh, so the series is over. We had series finale, um, double episodes there to kind of finish it out. And I, I'm kind of been struggling and I know we, we, uh, corresponded a little bit about doing this episode and kind of struggling with how to approach it exactly. And, and I think in some ways we'll be sort of like chewing on this whole series for a while. So we may come back to... Uh, do another episode, and I may bring in some other people to kind of hear some different impressions too. But it'd be interesting to to come back to it, to return to it at some point. But this is this may be a little bit more of some of our raw reactions. And I know you've got some uh, some strong theories already, but this may be a little bit more kind of explaining. I think at least for me, just how I kind of felt in some of these uh, final scenes, and and I think. Throughout this series, I've sort of had to do that, and with David Lynch sometimes anyways. So if I'm feeling like ah, I'm not really quite grasping, you know, what I'm supposed to be getting from this or, you know, the narrative is pretty hard to sink into, which is often the problem with, with Lynch. Or not the problem, but uh, something involved in, it's just the thing in Lynch, Lynch stories. Yep. Yeah. Um, that I do kind of fall back on, well, he's mostly about tone and atmosphere and feelings in each scene. And so I kind of go back to, well, 
of sort of like filmmakers, um, in this case, kind of TV, you know, uh, he's one of the few that if, if, even if I'm not fully understanding it, I did really feel something strong from what I'm seeing, whether it's, you know, something sort of even like revolting or hard to watch or maybe something really beautiful and uh, that catches me off guard uh, that makes me feel strong emotions in either direction. So um, I can always kind of point back to that. Right. And I think one of the things that we're certainly dealing with now with the finale of Twin Peaks is the resistance to closure Mm -hmm. that we often get with David Lynch films. Uh, I know – my first, I think I talked about it one of the last times we were talking about Twin Peaks, but that first time I saw Lost Highway when I was younger, uh, I realized we were getting to the end of it and it wasn't going to wrap up neatly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it didn't. It made me think about it a little bit more and it kind of creates this sort of circular uh, sort of system continuum that the film kind of uh, exists within. It doesn't really have a beginning or an end and yeah. at the end of it. like It just kind of feeds into each other. Mm-hmm. And I think like... I think maybe when I was younger, I took a lot of uh, pleasure in like deconstructing films and films of Lynch, yeah, like David Lynch and things like that. And as I'm growing like older and like my uh, <laughs> my my art mind is sort of maturing, I yeah. I'm I'm getting less and less of an enjoyment out of doing that and just sort of just getting hung up on the feeling. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that I don't engage with that. I, I you can't help it, right? Um, in certain respects, you're being sort of uh, like you're presented with a mystery, like in mm-hmm. you're, you're actually presented with multiple mysteries. Yeah. So that, I mean, that suggests uh, to the viewer to that they should, that they're involved in it. Right. Because I think one of the key points uh, when the characters say, I forgot who says this, but it's been being quoted a lot. When he says, we all exist within a dream, mm-hmm. but right. who's the dreamer? Yeah. Yeah, um, and I think on a certain level, it's like we all are the mm-hmm. dreamer, like in that respect. Mm-hmm. But I think there's also a specific dreamer that we're shown. Uh, yeah, but I can get it. We'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think those were sort of wise words coming directly from Monica Bellucci and her friends. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> in Gordon's dream. Um, right. Yeah. Yep. Right. Exactly. And um, like in that case, it's a real world figure. Mm-hmm. Who's saying this to a fictional character in his dream? Right, right. So it's like he's engaging with the real world, real world through his dream. Mm-hmm. So then reverse that. Here's a fictional character engaging with our world through the dream. Yeah. So we're then engaging with the fictional world through a dream, which is like this shared hallucination that we call television. <laughs> yeah, I think in general, like I have to like with the finale. Um, I just have to assume that this, at least this series, the new one, the return is sort of working on many different layers and planes of existence, you might say, in, in looking at this and, and that I think it's both speaking to the audience directly, as well as these fictional characters that are in the, in the film. So we have all these different versions of Cooper and, you know, some of it, you know, there is a lot of talk about dreams. So like you said, kind of assuming that we are a dreamer, but there may be uh, in this in the world of Twin Peaks, there's also sort of a specific dreamer um, is interesting take. But I think we have to kind of look at it on these different levels. Yes, 
there is this story in the world of Twin Peaks happening, but it's also sort of this deconstruction of what we expect, you know, sort of this revival of Twin Peaks to be as well. And, and it, I think it's just fascinating and so genius that he is sort of playing with that on all those different levels um, mm -hmm. and we can appreciate it. Yeah, it's fun. That way. Yeah. And actually, like, I was looking at, it, like, it, it really starts to reference some of David Lynch's other works. Hmm. So, like, looking at uh, Mulholland Drive, there yeah. was sort of the suggestion that we can, like, switch, that an individual can, like, switch realities hmm. um, and then end up making similar mistakes, like, you can't escape it. Yeah. And then Lost Highway, which seems to be more in line with the Twin Peaks finale, suggests that alternate realities are a product of fantasy, hmm. uh, which is the sense of a dreamer. Mm -hmm. um, Lost Highway uses that dark highway motif, yeah. I think, to suggest movement between these realities and worlds, and we definitely see that. So when you have Coop and Diane, uh, after Coop uh, comes out of the Black Lodge for mm -hmm. that last time, we have Coop and Diane uh, driving in this old car. Right. Uh, going to hit the 430 mile marker and at that point there's the static and I think what you see then is everything goes dark and it's suddenly night and you've got that kind of lost highway imagery which I took to which I think is a transitional reality and just kind of going into like everything that happens in that end um, I think Diane at this point uh, is starting to express fear and it suggests that she knows what's happening more so than Cooper Mm -hmm. And she sees herself outside the, the motel room, which I think is an acknowledgement that she's outside of her identity. Mm -hmm. And she's becoming somebody else and kind of realizes it and is scared of that fact. But, I mean, again, when like as soon as he emerges from the Black Lodge that very last time, the Cooper that we're dealing with really seems like more of an amalgam of Good Cooper and Mr. C together. Mm. His delivery and like the violence that we see in, in Judy's <laughs> Diner... Yeah, is certainly a lot more like Mr. C. His commanding of Diane in their hotel room is like Mr. C. Like we saw that yep. early on with Mr. C. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think this is necessarily <clears throat> Cooper changing, but he's like more of like a coming together of selves. Mm. Interesting. Uh, he's like he's yeah. becoming whole. And uh, I think in this point, like we know that Twin Peaks is a dream. On some level, we know it's a fantasy, obviously, because it's something that we're watching. Right. Uh, and when we're, we're asked to ponder who the dreamer is, and I think we're almost given an answer and we're kind of told that it's Richard, that this guy that Cooper wakes up as right. is, is the dreamer. And I think there's, there might be some evidence on there. Uh, so going back uh, in the episode before the finale, 17, we have this resolution of the Mr. C. Bob storyline and the showdown at the sheriff's, sheriff's office. And mm. how distracting is it at that point to suddenly have Cooper's face superimposed right. otherwise? And that would have normally been a moment of closure. Mm -hmm. But David Lynch is going to resist closure uh, at every chance. Right. So taken with what happens like in the last uh, in the last episode, I think what we're seeing is Richard experiencing his dream mm. at that point. Like he's seeing like all of the events of Twin Peaks and it is this dream of this guy in an alternate reality. Yeah. Both realities might be valid. Mm -hmm. And this is like what's going on inside of his head. So Cooper wakes up as Richard in this world that we're seeing him in. He, he was Richard all along, but now he believes he's Cooper. He's right. transitioned into this, into this new role. 
the the note he gets from like his estranged wife at that point suggests that he's becoming somebody else, mm. uh, which is really kind of chilling. Yeah, it's, it's creepy to think about it that he's in this relationship, but he has this fantasy going on inside of his head that we've all been kind of experiencing with him, right? Mm-hmm. But now he believes he's Cooper, mm. which is way scarier if you think about it. <laughs> Like, yeah. again, like this guy was like somebody else in the, the reality that he's in, but now he thinks he's Cooper. Hmm. Um, there, um, like even the music that plays during like the sex scene that they have there right. sort of suggests that this ideal version of reality only exists within the subconscious. And it's strange the way it like fades in and fades out. Like there's an ominous cut like hmm. in the middle of the song. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cooper's being very ineffectual. He believes he's Cooper, but like I said, like uh, like we know he wakes up as Richard. Diane is like covering his face. I think she's unsure of his identity at that point. So again, I think like he's he's the dreamer in a very real, like literal sense. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I I was trying to make sense of the his face being superimposed over that moment. Yeah. And, and kind of re I just rewatched it once that scene. And it's kind of when he turns and sees, I think they refer to her as NATO before she kind of transforms into Diane. And it, he looks over and kind of looks surprised almost to see her or some sort of recognition. And that sort mm-hmm. of like triggers that face to move over the screen. Yeah. Um, so I was trying to kind of make connections with that if I could. And, and then we also eventually hear that sort of superimposed face say, this is a dream, I think he says. So, yeah, it kind of makes me think, like, we kind of got our sort of, you know, TV world dream ending where right. we punch, you know, Bob into, out of existence. Bob um, turns into a mad ball. Yeah, right. <laughs> this and, is the first thing I thought of and you I know, saw that. Yeah, at, at, up to that point, you know, like Cooper knows what's going on. Like yeah. he's now himself and he's taking care of business and um, pulling everything together. Everybody's in the place where they're supposed to be now. Um, and that's that's sort of satisfying in one sense. But like you said, we're in, in David Lynch's world. We're not going to get that complete satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And so like we not we're, we don't even get to linger in it. For like, right. Right. We like even a second like and that it yeah. is a very it's it is very much a TV ending that goes mm-hmm. on in there. Like with Lucy. Yeah. Lucy pulls the, <laughs> the trigger. Surprise, and, yeah. Like, sure, and then it's revealed that she was the one that shot him at the end. It was just like a wonderful moment. I uh-huh. thought it was fantastic. Yeah. But that's very, it's a very like kind of scripted staged like TV ending. And that's appropriate because it's mm-hmm. Twin Peaks is like historically a show that draws attention to the fact that it's a show. Right. That's like, on over TV. And over yep. and over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it knows it. It, knows yep. it absolutely does. So uh, everything like leading up to that was just like just very interesting coming together of elements that yep. once again is just going in directions I did not expect. Mm hmm. So I very much appreciated it on that level. But when you got to that scene, as soon as like, I, it was the most distracting thing. I did not notice that he said anything superimposed. I couldn't notice anything. It was just so impossible for me to like watch those scenes with his face superimposed over it. Right. I had the worst time with it. It was, it was scrambling my brain. Like yeah, I was no. trying to watch it and I just kept like, what's, what is, why? What, yeah, why <laughs> yeah, is this happening? Cause I, I was like, yeah. in the moment, the first time I was like thinking like, Without the face on this, this is a very, like, normal cut scene of, like, them having a conversation and him sort of figuring out in the moment. So 
I mean, you saying that kind of does make me think like it's David Lynch's way of, again, drawing attention to saying, hey, you know, that's almost like we're seeing this through somebody's eyes or, you know, in their head. Um, directly yeah Um, and maybe like it's we know that diane character has a parallel for our richard character Mm -hmm. so it's maybe that is the imposition that we needed like her being there means something outside the dream to the dreamer right and so suddenly the dreamer is aware it's like a lucid dreaming kind of moment Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, of like acting within it and observing it Right. Like right. kind of at the same time. Mm-hmm. What do you make of Gordon Gordon Cole going along with Cooper and Diane initially when he takes the you know, the hotel key and eventually he goes through that door himself. But I'm I'm kinda curious why I mean in in one sense, I think if we kind of look at it on a meta level, and I, I'm not sure there's any more appropriate time for like the name of this podcast show, Extra Textual, because we kind of have to look. <laughs> yeah, so, completely. Yeah. So far out of the you know the kind of just straight narrative to figure this out, but I mean like these are sort of like the central, you know, um, creative force in David Lynch's all of his career. You know, I think that he's kind of pulling these characters together uh, and him including himself in that and kind of sending each other off together. So, I mean, that's kind of what I could make sense, but I mean, I guess Gordon is kind of like his confidant in his, in his mission. He's sort of going on now, but um, I don't know if you had any other perspective on that. I wasn't sure. I was still so caught up on everything that happened, like right before that. Um, yeah. Like I'm not really sure what's going on with uh, with Philip Jeffries or that area that they're in. Um, yeah. I haven't really tried to deconstruct that too much. I'm sure there's other people that have given it mm-hmm. way, you know, you know, given it a lot more thought than I have for sure. Sure. That was not something that was like it wasn't like really tripping me up. There's this real yeah. sense of like there's the spirit world, mm-hmm. and it's it's sometimes very strange that the forms. Uh, yep. what like forms the spirit world takes mm-hmm. but then there's also a sense that's like this is how it's this is how we can make sense of it in our brains so in the, yeah. in the act of viewing it it takes these forms mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so it's weird he's like a he's like a buddhist uh teapot or something yeah yeah and quite know what's going on with that but um yeah, yeah really- it was interesting, and go- the going back in time bit as well. Uh-huh. Um, just like on a okay, that I thought was incredibly satisfying because we were seeing the original show. We were seeing like yeah, recut and different and remastered, and some I think deleted scenes from Fire Walk with Me. Right and from I, the film. I thought that yeah. was that was that was great. I really I quite yeah. That. There's some sort of uh, red counting happening where we see you know. Originally, Laura sort of looked off past James and screamed, and we didn't really understand why. Yeah. In the film, and now we see, you know, Cooper sort of hiding Cooper in the was woods. There. That yeah. was like okay. That I was I wasn't sure. I I would have to go back and look at Fire mm-hmm. Walk with Me because I didn't quite remember that. Like I didn't know that that, but it does happen, right? It, it does, does happen. happen yeah, I was okay. as I was watching it, I was sort of like I was watching it with my wife, and she was like, "Is this?" Because she hasn't seen the movie, and she's like, "Is this?" new footage or old and i was like yeah i think all of this was in it um 
you know, besides the scene where she actually goes and, you know, um, sees Cooper and they talk to each other, mm. which I, from what I kind of understand and think, I think that was Cheryl Lee now sort mm. of in the shadows, maybe some good makeup or effects to make yeah. her look young. Um, possibly digitalized. Possibly digital. made yeah. her look younger. Yeah. Um, but I think outside of that, that was all, yeah, footage from the film. Yeah, or which unused. was used. I know there's like a whole movie that's just unused footage. Yeah, from, uh, Fire Walk with me. It's like a whole movie to itself. Yep. So yep. it was pretty good that they could they could go back and rely on that. There's a couple of other things that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the other Philip, the guy, the one arm, the one armed man yes. character. Mm-hmm. Um, when he says the Fire Walk with me litany, it's not backwards speak, is it? No, I don't think so. He's no, just I don't think it is. speaking yeah. plainly. Yeah. Yeah, he's just speaking plainly. Like, it's a little strange. But, <laughs> yeah. But it's not the the normal backwards speak that we get from him. Right. And that right. and that's, like, like, what is going on there? There's also, I think, so, yeah, she's, um, she's being led through the forest by Cooper. Mm-hmm. And then she's, like, whisked away at some point. Yeah, right. that's that's interesting. She she's sort of gone and I, you know, I think maybe it's meant to be taken different ways, you know. I don't know if she doesn't want to go with Cooper, if she gets pulled away, if he sort of loses grasp of her, which is was kind of my first thought that he's sort of like focused on this mission or something that he has I, I to think pull her like, out. Yeah. I think it could be Judy hmm. or what else was it called? It was uh, Jow Day. Jow Day, is yeah. The, is the, and it just becomes Judy. Right, right, yeah. I, th- I feel like that's, like, uh, Jow Day's, like, removal of Laura. Mm. Like, Laura has to go. Mm-hmm. Like, it's her destiny not to be there. Not to be there, yeah. You know, because it changes everything. The show mm-hmm. doesn't happen, you know. Yeah. So it's yeah. almost like a, it's like a preservation of order that Laura be removed, like, from the picture. Because mm. then it creates a... With the, with time travel, it creates like a paradox. Right, nothing right. would have happened. Cooper yeah. would, might not even exist within this world mm-hmm. for sure. Like if Cooper is the uh, the agency of the audience within this world, yeah. And if Laura if Laura never gets killed, then nothing happens. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like it's complicated. She's also like after she whispers something, which I want to return to this this thought too. Yeah, what she's whispering. After she whispers something to Cooper, Cooper, like, acknowledges it. He just, like, nods briefly. And mm-hmm. then the same thing happens. Like, she's screamed and she's whisked away. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's... So what uh, did you... I, I want to ask what you make of Carrie. Yeah, this the is... Carrie character. Carrie Page? Carrie Page. Uh, like what's going on with who her? Who he thinks is Laura Palmer. Who he, um, yeah. Is really fascinating. I mean... I'll kind of talk about what those sort of final moments where they go to her old house. Yeah, it was terrifying. uh, Why was that so scary? Yeah. (laughs) Like, all this stuff that happens, like, with them driving at night or whatever, it is, like, bone-chillingly terrifying, but I don't know why. Like, it's, like, it's just nothing. It's just purely, like, mood and setting Mm -hmm. and staging. Yeah. But it's They also drive for a long time, yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's weird things about that. Like, I can sort of get on board with, you know, she, you know, Cooper and Diane kind of become different people, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, so is it Richard and Linda, right? And, yeah. oh, and so, Linda, 
That's and so I can see, you know, uh, Laura Palmer also becomes somebody else in whatever reality they're now in, um, whether it's supposed to be the reality. Uh, but, you know, there's other strange things where when he enters her house, there's a guy on the couch that's, you know, sort of had his head blown off. Yeah, she doesn't and, care. Yeah, nobody. Yeah. And like, I mean, she, she does doesn't... seem to be sort of in a hurry. Yeah. Or, like, she's well, definitely she hasn't been willing to, work to get like, out of there. She hasn't been to work in three days. Right. Right. When Cooper or Richard, whoever he mm-hmm. is, says that he's with the FBI, she's like asking him, did they find him? Did they catch him? Yeah. But he obviously has no idea what she's talking about. And he and, and again, he doesn't question it. Like yeah. this to me is like a clear sign that this is not Cooper. Mm-hmm. You know, that this is yep. somebody who thinks he's Cooper, but it's Richard. Mm-hmm. It's Richard who's like his fantasy of being like an FBI agent yeah. has kind of like come to the surface and he's now disassociated mm-hmm. um, and believes he's this Cooper guy that he's been fantasizing about. His wife has had none of it. His wife is right. him because of these weird delusions that he has. Mm-hmm. This is a theory, you know, who knows? Yeah. This is, it could be something else entirely, but this is kind of how I see it. Yeah. I you mean, know? we also, um, I think through the whole series, there's this kind of, uh, element of like the Western, um, yeah. and sort of a cowboy. And I think we get really strong imagery and details about that in this final moments where he goes, the, yeah, the cowboys, you know, his bar sure. he, yeah, he sort yeah. of takes out these cowboys. But I think in all of that, he's sort of not, like you said, he's not our normal Cooper. Like he's trying to kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, he's on a mission trying to sort of take care of business. But, you know, even when he, takes care of these kind of uh, bullies, these cowboys. You know, he puts the guns in the fryer, but realizes like, oh, this is not such a good idea. <laughs> you know, like... His you tone, know, to the cookies, his delivery. Like, like Cooper... Sorry. Yeah, this is not... Cooper is any, kind of, any kind of David Lynch protagonist is going to try mm-hmm. to stop the woman in trouble or yeah. some, try to stop the woman from being in trouble, mm-hmm. right? Yep. But it's that's the only thing, like, about him that seems benevolent. Yep. Yep. You know, and it's and it, a lot of it has to do with tone and a lot of it has to do with delivery. There's mm-hmm. also I feel like this is the same Cooper that we see at the very beginning of the series where he gets the information. Yeah. Like because yeah. I, I thought previously like that that might be evil Cooper. Yeah. But now I think that might be quote unquote Richard, hmm. you know, whoever this guy is. Yeah. Because of that delivery that he's receiving from him. He's he's given information. The, the whole Richard thing happens. Because he's given information from the giant that we see at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the, and because Leland shows up and tells him to find Laura. And it's Leland that's telling him to find Laura. Right. Like in a dream. Which yeah, I thought was kind of odd because he hasn't – I don't think he's shown up at all like in, right. this, in the new series. And I think some of that's interesting because when we first see that in the first episode, it seems kind of like clues to something. Yeah. Um, that we're supposed to pay attention to. But I think in these final moments, it almost seems like Cooper becomes lost or like, you know, when he's Richard, mm-hmm. um, you know, I wonder if more, you know, I don't know exactly still, I have to work some of this out, how, how all these like planes of existence and realities interconnect exactly. <laughs> or like, yeah. I know, feel it's like it's a MacGuffin. Like, you yeah. know, like it's not, it's not about how it connects. Right. You know, we're not, yeah. it's not like, it's not like the, you know, like the uh, Norse Yargrasil, which I don't think I ever like pronounced correctly, but it's not like that <laughs> kind of like 
cosmological structure. Like, I know yeah. people will try to like map it out, but it's not. Yeah, it's not vitally I don't think important it will either. to like understand like what's mm-hmm. actually happening. I think there's a few things that are going on with like Richard Cooper. Yeah, Richard Cooper. That's like a name of somebody, but Richard like Richard, the, the Richard Cooper amalgam that we have. Yep. Um, he says when he says he's like with the FBI, and like he shows like she she doesn't see his badge until they're in the car and he shows it to her. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely convinced that's an FBI badge. Like I don't mm. know what like what if he's showing her like something completely different. Yeah. Also, there's like like I just don't trust anything about it. Like it doesn't yeah. seem like like th- that could be like any kind of badge at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's kind of what his badge looks like in the show, but I, I also have this image in my head of like an FBI badge from like the X Files. That's like the flip up kind of like photo, <laughs> right? Like kind of thing. Kinda, yeah, yeah. So who knows what that badge is? Um, yeah, I mean that's also in contrast to you know when sort of Dougie is awakened and mm-hmm. to Cooper, and then he says, you know, I am the FBI, like mm-hmm. in a very sort of you know fantasy sort of, type moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, of what you think an FBI agent should be. Uh, and then in that moment when he, yeah, he's talking to, um, Laura or who is supposedly Laura, like she's very suspicious. Yeah. Yeah, Carrie's very suspicious and they all, they both seem sort of unsure of that. But um, she sees in him something like she sees a way out of whatever her predicament is. So like, even in this reality, the Laura Carrie entity Mm-hmm. is like still in some kind of trouble like yep. she's still can't escape the trouble yeah. little girl that lived down the street like or mm-hmm. you know whatever it is yep There's some other interesting things going on with her mm-hmm. uh like she does we've mentioned like she doesn't seem to care that she killed somebody like she left yep lets an fbi agent in there and he doesn't care like he doesn't yeah. question it like he's just like like he doesn't just have sure any emotion hardly yeah. Like, he doesn't <laughs> yeah. Know. yeah and um she doesn't seem to realize like nothing seems to exist outside of Odessa. Like mm-hmm. even the way she says this town of Odessa, I tried yeah. to make the most of it or whatever. She doesn't know where Washington state is. Mm. She doesn't know that it's going to be cold there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like there, nothing exists like outside of it. Like it's, mm. it's very weird. Like it's very yeah. haunting. Like where this entity came from. Like, yeah, she's sort of locked in her own sort of corner of that that yeah. uh that world that she's in um, the other thing is that we um the whole driving at night sequence uh, which again i take that as transitory it, like it's yep. transitory with cooper and diane after mm-hmm. they hit the 430 mile marker and like that whole sequence is like uniquely eerie it's like a journey to the underworld it's like a journey yep. to like a different kind of thing and uh, like they don't say anything to each other mm-hmm. she carrie occasionally has like some introspective thought Yep. that she speaks, mm-hmm. um, which Cooper Richard doesn't really acknowledge. Yeah. It doesn't really Just say a, anything. I've heard like him, some yeah. people have pointed to like the presence of like the Valero station as being like, this is like the true reality. Like we don't see mm-hmm. it's, it's not like, um, it's not like uh, big Bob's. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's not gas, like that kind of like, yeah. TV, like gas station, Mm-hmm. like sort of thing like it's more real and it's a strange shot to, like because it's like it doesn't it really is. seem to have any bearing like nothing happens there yeah but they're only once they get out of odessa it's nighttime everywhere else but odessa mm-hmm. you know and we yeah. know they drove for like a really long time but did they it's still like, <laughs> yeah know? right like how long were they really in that car for because it doesn't it just seems strange you know mm-hmm 
And so, for, okay, for that sequence at the end, I think we may as well like go back into yeah, that. Yeah, jump into that, yeah. Yeah, so they go to the house. Uh, it's been pointed out that the woman who answers the door is, I guess, the actual owner of that property. Yeah, which also points to it being uh, an world. actual reality of some like kind. A, um, like yeah. a meta, like mm-hmm. they've entered our reality now. Yep. And um, the, uh, the Chalfant... It's like it's bought from like Chalfont. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a time when we saw like the magician character like with the big nose that was just like superimposed on one of the sequences. I think that was when we met Philip Jeffries for the last time. Yeah, and we did like interfering, or was it in the forest? It's so hard to put it together. It's all just jumbling in my head at this point. Yeah, we saw it um, one other time, and then actually uh, when Cooper is going into see Jeffries. Um, going up those stairs, when he yeah. gets to the top, we suddenly see um, that boy coming down the stairs in this mm. sort of uh, so spooky creepy. moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm not really sure what to make of that either. But but he's now here. Like, he's there now. Like, right. what is this guy doing? Like, he, yep. I don't think he's been, like, in much of the show, mm-hmm. like, already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Okay, so we hear, like, finally, the Cooper Richard character is starting to question reality. Yep. And his first line of thought is, what year is this? <laughs> and then yeah. there's, a, there's a beat. Uh-huh. Right? And at that point, we hear someone yelling Laura off in the distance. She's yeah. looking up at the house. This is, like, giving me chills just to even think about it. It was so creepy. <laughs> She's looking up at the house. The lights go off, and she screams. Mm-hmm. And then it's it's black. And the, like the times that we hear that, that's the same scream that we hear when she disappears from the forest in the yep. past. And when she disappears from the Black Lodge after she whispers something to Coop. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm inclined to think that that is the same event. Like those, oh. like that scream is all is this, Yeah, it's the same event in each uh, in each reality hmm. in, in the Black Lodge in the past and in the current reality. Because I think it might be her being removed mm. from like the from like, the, from everything, yeah, from being removed from the narrative and like a purely metatextual level, mm-hmm. being removed from the show, yeah, and and the show ends. It goes immediately to black because without her, there's no show, right? Yeah. So that's yeah, if, and then it, we're but we're we're like we're basically told to think about what it was that she was whispering she whispered to him, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, a few things about that. Um, I recently rewatched the final episode of the original series, the second season. Yeah. And it's not the final sort of shot, but when Cooper's in, you know, the red room and uh, he's kind of going through these different curtain rooms, um, one, you know, Laura's in the one, but she starts to sort of scream in that really creepy face <laughs> in the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's almost the very end. And then we kind of see Cooper go crazy, you know, with mm-hmm. Bob. Um, but that sort of like very much book ended the scream we see in the new series as mm-hmm. well. Um, yeah. But but in more of like a reality, I think, mm-hmm. of that character. Um, I think kind of talking about that finishing part, I was I was feeling a lot of things <laughs> in that final moment, like yeah. knowing that this this was going to be over. Um mm-hmm. And kind of feeling confused and a little disappointed in the moment, like yeah, I was okay, a little disappointed like, too. To like they're honest, yeah, yeah. Like 
I, I know it's not going to wrap up neatly, but this is like all the answers we're going to get, you know, like it's a very, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's definitely, you know, the characters are very confused at that moment. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Cooper's is almost like failed his mission, you know, mm-hmm. that he was trying to do. So I kind of like had to back up and kind of just like, okay, I'm just going to be in this scene in this moment, you know, and try to yeah. see what it is. And at that time, like when they were standing on the steps, I, I like really looked at, you know, Cheryl Lee's performance and it really struck me like her just piercing eyes as she sort of yeah. looked at Cooper. Just like looking she, back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. They're just kind of looking at each other. Um, and, and it suddenly reminded me of that. She's always kind of had that way of like this intense sort of fierce, painful longing that shows mm-hmm. up in her eyes. And, mm-hmm. you know, especially in the movie, she's like dealing with all these different things and, you know, really being like abused and Mm -hmm. growing up too quickly, all these things kind of put on her. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and suddenly it just kind of struck me like how interesting she is, you know, as an actor and in that character, what she brings to that. Um, so even like when they get down to the street, you know, and he asks like what year it is, and she kind of just like stares up into the sky, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, that was really fascinating. And she kind of looks back at the house that kind of brought her all this sort of agony. And I think you're right. That's kind of when she hears that voice, it all kind of comes flooding back in mm. some way. Where is she hearing that? Is that a memory? Is yeah. That, is, that a, is that a memory from somebody who doesn't exist? Right. Is that a memory? Is that a memory from her? Mm-hmm. in another reality so i mean some people have said you know that sounds a lot like her mother um mm-hmm. and so it, it's very similar to how she called to her you know when they find out that she's she's missing that morning yeah. in the original series mm-hmm. and so it is like her how her mom would normally like wake her up you know mm-hmm. um, oh yeah. yeah 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 that that actually makes a lot of sense because she's like calling mm-hmm. to wake her up Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, to go is to she being called to wake up? Is that the moment yeah. she wakes up? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, you know, like, she's calling to her and she realizes she's kind of waking mm-hmm. from this dream um, or whatever, this reality. Oh, I, wow. What yeah. if that, what if that, what if that is Laura waking up the morning where she would the have probably of. been murdered? Mm-hmm. Like, like that morning that the show starts out on? But she's right. alive now, so that's her waking up from the dream. Yeah, that could be really interesting. That could be, yeah. Um, it's like, okay, it was all a dream is like the stupidest cliche. <laughs> right. But like in the context of like a David Lynch production, yeah. it's it's like it makes sense, you know. It kind of works, yeah. yeah. And I, I, and I think there's so that. much other stuff mixed in there that, you know, mm-hmm. makes it more um, more interesting it than just sort of it, like, yeah, then it, it's it just does. a dream. Yeah, um, yeah and I mean – even having like throwing time travel in these last couple episodes yeah, almost sure. it's so, is it's weird. So bizarre. Yeah. 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 Uh, the other thing, just like on a basic like root level of experiencing that scene, um, just trying to be in that moment. Like when they're standing on the street, you see the way like Lynch captures just like the gentle breeze in the night air. And mm-hmm. it just has like this eerie stillness um, that's mm-hmm. still like very quiet. And I think that's like the genius of Lynch and capturing those sort of feelings and moments that mm-hmm. another filmmaker wouldn't take the time to kind of see. 
Um, and, you know, I think like I've like with that, I've felt like those kind of nights, you know, like that still air um, and the gentle breeze. And it like just causes me to sort of contemplate my existence, you know, like in that moment <laughs> or like yeah. my place in the world or just like simply not to care about anything else. You know, like those nights that kind of just like strike you as like, oh, like this is just kind of a nice moment. I don't really have to care about anything else or think about it. Um, but it also kind of carries like this air of like an omen of something unexplainable yeah. that's going to happen. And that just kind of um, leads into her scream, I think, or like yeah. the trauma that comes from that. Um, yeah. But yeah, like my, as we were watching this, my wife referenced it like, making her watch like 18 hours of a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's kind of so, what it is. Yeah. Isn't and so it? I, I kind of see like Laura kind of like being awoken from that nightmare, you know? Yeah. Um, that actually, that makes yeah. the more I think about it, the more that makes starts to make sense. Yeah. 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 Like, um, like that whole sequence is just like Laura's dream. Mm -hmm. And then she wakes up and suddenly mm -hmm. and she hears her mom calling her. And she realizes yeah. that, and then she, you know she screams and she wakes up screaming. Mm -hmm. But then she's actually alive. She's actually ceases, alive. The show yeah. ceases to exist. Yeah. At that point, I, the more I think about that, the more I really like it might that work. theory. Yeah, that um, might work. Some other impressions, like something you kind of mentioned about, like their sort of stories in this Twin Peaks world, or mm -hmm. you know whatever plans of reality they're on. Um, it kind of made me think about Audrey, which yeah. we can talk about being, um, I mean, I love looking back. I sort of love those scenes and especially when we get to her dance and whatever, you know, she wakes up in this room looking in this mirror, but that, that weird thing that her husband, um, supposed husband says about like, am I going to have to end your story, Audrey? Um, yeah, weird. Just like started to like have more resonance for me, sort of like in these final episodes. Wait, what? You know, did, what did he say again? Am I gonna have to end end your, your story? Your end stories. Your story. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, it's very I got, this is kind of. I mean, I think I think this is what happened. I was very yeah. disappointed with the lack of Audrey. Like, I think a lot yep. of other people were. So yep. My favorite character from the original series. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, I love Sherilyn Fenn. I think she's fantastic. Yeah. Like she's just she's just great whenever uh -huh. she's on the screen. Um, what is that? Is that her psychiatrist that she's talking to that she thinks? Um, is, is her so that's a, that's a theory. Um, yeah, she, she is calls she in her husband? I guess there's a Ghostwood like insane asylum that she might be in. Mm, yeah. That could be. I mean, that's definitely a theory that he's really like, maybe he's like play acting with her too, sort of. Maybe. Um, she's yeah. a little bit, you know, gone, um, have some mental issues. Yeah. Uh, she's in a coma. We don't know. Um, we don't know. Yeah. Which sucks. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sucks. I was thinking of like how in, um, I think the second to last episode, we get that moment where Gordon is talking to Tammy and, um, Albert and you know there's been a few other moments like this where he's just kind of like okay so I didn't tell you about this thing before but mm -hmm. let me tell you about it now yeah you know like Cooper was on this mission 
you know, yeah. like into the Black Lodge. And we get this sort of like laid out exposition. And I feel like there could have just been like, you didn't have to explain Audrey completely or like what was happening in that. But like mm-hmm. one Twin Peaks town character saying like, oh, Audrey's still in the hospital in the coma, you know, or like something. Like, they had a lot of opportunity to. Yeah. Like, uh, during any of the Ben Horn scenes, it could yep. have been brought up when, um, and, when, uh, when it's finally revealed that Mr. C is indeed, uh, what's the young guy's name? The young horn. Oh, um, I can't remember. Was it also uh, Richard? Oh yeah, it is Richard, isn't it? Is it Richard? Oh, uh, that's interesting too. Richard Horn. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the, the bad guy, anyway, yes. <laughs> you always <laughs> the find very out bad that, kid, yeah. like the very, very bad kid Yeah. is, um, is like Audrey's son. Yes. You know, it yeah. could have been mentioned there mm-hmm. what her fate was. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, man, oh my God, the Audrey's dance scene. Okay, I think, yeah. I think Audrey is there to tell us what the Roadhouse is, hmm. what the okay. Roadhouse really is. Yeah, it has no bearing on the plot. Right, characters really show doesn't. up there that we never see them again. They're mm-hmm. just there, and they have some kind of like something happens there. Yeah, that's like unique to their personality, hmm. or speaks to their character, or exposes their character. Yeah, so. I am inclined to think that it is a shared unconscious. Mm. Interesting. That everybody seems to like that you exist within. Like it's, it's something like within ourselves that we all Hmm. have, uh, but we're being shown like specifically on TV. It's also, it's also with a really good playlist. Yeah. With a good, (laughs) with a good playlist. It's also another site of metatextual narrative within Hmm. the show because we see, we have real world acts that, you know, we recognize yep. some of them. Yeah. Uh, most they of them. are themselves. If you're, sort of, yeah. if you're up on music, I knew a few of them, obviously. I knew yeah. Nine Inch Nails. I knew that. Mm-hmm. I, I recognize that as Eddie Vedder, but I never heard his name. His, his real, real name, name like that. Yeah. yeah. Supposedly that's his real name. So I was like, this looks a lot um, like Eddie Vedder. Eddie Vedder? <laughs> yeah. And then I, of course I found out that it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. the roadhouse is really intriguing. I think, um, it's caused a lot of like frustration with viewers. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, as far as like the characters in the roadhouse, not so much the music. Um, so I, yeah, I still not sure what to do with that, but you may be right. Like Audrey, Audrey's scene, her dance there may be telling us something about that. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause the, yeah, with those characters, we don't really get any sort of other reference to them. No. And, and looking back, you know, the, Audrey talks about Billy. Um, and we also get at one point, a few other characters talking about Billy when he like jumps over the fence and is mm-hmm. bloody in their house. Uh, and I know a lot of people think that's Billy in the jail cell. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't think we ever really like get confirmation of that. Right. We like, no, we don't. We is never, that, they never say guy, his name. Yeah. They never say his name there. We don't, we don't really know. There's just these yeah. stories of Billy. I've, somebody said it was like Billy Zane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like Audrey's love, love interest. I don't really know. I don't know yeah. about that. Um, um, I'm not sure. I don't know. It's just like this entity. Like we don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, okay. How, how jarring is it that after Audrey's like dance, mm-hmm. what is it that happens there? But then we have the sudden shot of her like looking into a mirror and this like shaky camera 
for like yeah. a split second and then it's and she's gone. like confused she's just kind of saying like stuttering like what you know like she's also mm-hmm. confused and right before mm-hmm. that we get the um the guy sort of screaming about his you know significant other cheating or something and he's gonna beat yeah. up another guy and that sort of like triggers that i think because she has right. to get out of there um, right yeah to, to be taken out of there so, yeah, I mean, uh, it seems like she's breaking out of this dream or whatever, you know, into some sort of reality, but I don't know. Uh, it's really fascinating. But I, this is I, the waking up from the dream, which is another, which is a theme that we're going to cut mm-hmm. back to yeah. over and over and over again, like in right. weeks. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like, just like that idea that she's being woken up from the dream in the morning she normally would have been dead. Like this whole, yeah. like she dreamt that she was dead. Uh-huh. She there was this, this grand you know battle between good and evil yep. that was like going on and mm-hmm. something to do with the atomic bomb yeah. <laughs> like all right, this right. craziness spiritual teapots spiritual um, just all kinds of stuff yeah I also was trying to make sense you know I you know I don't know if this was supposed to actually be in. Um, Twin Peaks or not, but I guess we do, now that I think about it, we do get James and his, uh, his, you know, superhero buddy come into the roadhouse, um, Mm -hmm. which seems consistent with, you know, the other parts of the Twin Peaks town. Uh, but anyways, we get, you know, all these characters that we sometimes only see once that are sort of talking and I think we don't get really like the soap opera side of Twin Peaks in this series, um, in this season. I felt and like I think, we started to. Like there were a couple yeah. of places. Like the subplot yeah. with like Norma's diner. Yep. And um, Becky and stuff. Yeah. And Becky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think we really get a lot of resolution too. Yeah. It almost feels like they're saying, you know, we, you know, this stuff still goes on in Twin Peaks, you know, it's still yeah. continuing like a small town, but that's not like what this series is about kind of, you know, um, kind of seems like what David Lynch is telling us. Like, I'm not as interested in that anymore, but it's still happening mm-hmm. kind of. No, in it's, this it's the slice yeah. of life element that like right. Twin Peaks like should mm-hmm. have and does yeah. have. Uh, because there is like there's there's sure there's a grand narrative that involves good mm-hmm. and evil and FBI and all that other right. stuff, but there's also a slice of life aspect to Twin Peaks that yep. you just kind of you're just you're getting glimpses into these people's lives who are real people, mm-hmm. uh, and you know you don't you don't always get a complete story because that's not that's just not how it works. You just get yep. you get just get little glimpses here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the stuff that's, I think what, um, what I'm most appreciative in terms mm-hmm. of the type of storytelling that we have with Twin Peaks, the return, yeah, uh, is the, uh, the ability to do that, that not everything matters. That sometimes is very infuriating to the viewers because right. they want, they want everything to matter. Um, but uh, sometimes it's about feeling, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. it's about themes not necessarily connected to the plot that's going on right now. Yep. Yep. So yeah, it's I, a different, like, I, yeah, I definitely appreciate it on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's kind of talking actually now that you bring that up, like the, the Becky thread and her husband, mm-hmm. one thing that really, it confused me in the moment. And now that we got nothing else, still confuses me when her husband suddenly shows up in the forest with sort of like his 
you know, mistress or whatever. He's like side, um, yeah, side piece. Yeah. yeah. Um, Does he kill it, himself? It seems. It like seems like he kills himself. Sort of seems seems like it. Yeah. Yep. And apparently that's um, Donna's younger sister. Have you heard about this? No. Um, so I'm going to struggle to remember her name, but in the original series, she like is sort of presented oh very perfect. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. I was just remembering this. And mm-hmm. the reason I remembered it is that doesn't she just like show up, uh, Donna's younger sister like shows up in the pilot and then is like gone. That, uh, I, that character. I think she shows up. She may be in the pilot. Um, I don't know if I remember, but she shows up later, I think in the second season and she's like playing yeah. piano in the, in the home. Oh um, yeah. In the Hayward okay. home. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Um, and so She'd I think be like way older than that though. Yeah. I think Where technically she? she would be a fair amount older, older than him. Um, yeah. uh, I think it's a, is it Alicia, Alicia Witt or Witt? Um, mm-hmm. So it's the same actress, um, but she also shows up when he he's at the hotel in that stairway. Um, that's the woman he's with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But we don't get any context for, like, you know, what has happened, why they're in the woods. Um, I think some of the dialogue between them is sort of nonsensical, you know, or maybe mm-hmm. on purpose. He's just sort of going a little bit crazy. Um, but, yeah, I, I figured we would get some sort of lead up into you know or at least go back and kind of see something that happened to becky um but that, that was a very strange moment the only thing i can think of is you know like these young people in general just sort of seem to be uh using a lot of drugs and um in abusive relationships like we've talked about before and so yeah, they're like just the cycle that we saw yeah is continuing like in mm-hmm. weeks because mm-hmm. it's a soap opera world. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like mm-hmm. that's that same kind of thing. So we have like a glimpse of it just to sort of like that's because that's what Twin Peaks is. Like yeah. it's not a geographical place or geographic mm-hmm. place. It's, uh, you know, it's these it's this set of elements like operating in tandem mm-hmm. like with one another. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's like it's interesting. We have this idea of Twin Peaks and this series especially – um, well, in the, in the earlier series, it's like the idea of Twin Peaks was the point of the show. Right. And with Twin Peaks The Return, we're sort of given this idea of Twin Peaks that is constantly being problematized mm-hmm. by like this grand good versus evil thing that spans the whole country. That yep. We have these other towns that are similar, like Twin Peaks, like the place in North Dakota – yeah, um, in the in the last episode of Odessa, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's it's like we're constantly it's it's like throwing all of that into question as what yeah. it is, but we still we're still kind of given a center. It's still kind of centered around like uh, this idea of like uh, uh, problematic identity, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of yeah. things at work. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Lynch and Mark Frost are kind of like deconstructing the nostalgia that we're expecting to feel. And sometimes we do feel it, you know, Mm -hmm. um, the melodrama. And I think even like the hero's journey, um, of Cooper. So they're like dissecting the character of agent Cooper himself. And they're kind of attempting, you know, these characters are attempting to bring justice to this evil world. But it's interesting that like for seeing how much we see of Cooper and Albert and Tammy and this like 
Blue Rose FBI Task Force. Like, there's little that they actually accomplish ever. Like, yeah. they are sort of, like, getting all the clues and information, but, like, they end up not really, like, doing anything yeah. <laughs> important with that information. Um, they just sort of, like, get there at the end to witness it. Yeah. Um, so it's, like... Lynch is giving us this big final moment in the sheriff's office, but then we just kind of see like our heroes fade into this different reality. Um, So I think that final moment was kind of like a dream fulfillment for our audience. Um, Mm. We mentioned a little bit, Uh, but yeah, I think like Cooper's on this mission to kind of reset things um, that have kind of broken down in Twin Peaks that he sees like Laura uh Laura's death but like I think some of the message might be like things are gonna be broken anyways <laughs> yeah. um even even the way they are so even like this revival of this beloved show is also sort of like broken in many ways mm-hmm. um and can't really we can't really like return to that mm-hmm. um and so I don't know I I, I think it's interesting the I think Lynch is interested in sort of like the spread of like violence and addiction and, you know, pain and suffering that sort of come into the modern world. Um, and I think he's also always kind of interested in that contrast. Um, and we also see like total opposites in Mr. C of like total evil side of Cooper. And then Dougie is like almost like an innocent baby, you know? Um, yeah just like starting out. So we have, we see like these polar opposites well, and I Dougie like, he has the happy ending, right? He does. Yeah. He goes he back with the family. Tulpa is created. Uh-huh. He gets his family or whatever. He says home. Yep. So that's, yep. that's like the happy ending. That we yeah. Get. Yep. Um, so yeah, it, it's kind of this weird, uh, contrast of things. And, this is a little quote I wanted to read from David Lynch that he it's it's not related to he didn't give this quote for this um Twin Peaks the Return but he said that uh dark things have always existed but they used to be in their proper balance with good when life was slower people lived in towns and small farms where they knew everybody and people didn't move around so much so things were a little more peaceful there were things that they were afraid of for sure but now it is, it's accelerated to where the anxiety level of people is in the stratosphere. TV sped things up and caused people to hear way more bad news. Mass media overloaded people with more than they could handle, and drugs also had a lot to do with it. With drugs, people can get so rich and whacked out, and they've opened up a whole weird world. These things have created a modern kind of fear in America. Um... And that also reminded me of, like, this is a really funny moment, um, but we get the Mitchum brothers in Las Vegas when there's, like, you know, this shootout happening <laughs> in front of Dougie's yeah. house. And uh, oddly enough, the gangsters are sort of, like, not normal involved. ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, they you know, like, they the one asks, like, what, what's going on in this neighborhood? And the other one just kind of says, like, 
People are under a lot of stress these days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I ended up really liking the Mitchum brothers. Yeah, the they're pretty the, funny. Really funny um, characters. Like, they're yeah. trying to kill Dougie, like, for the longest time. <laughs> for the most but part, But then yeah. as soon as that gets resolved, however, that really does get resolved. I still do not know what <laughs> was going on. I just wrote all these it's, random... It's all about cherry pie. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. then they become, like, his greatest benefactor. Like, they're yep. flying him up to Fly him across the country. Like, they yeah. just love Dougie so much. Fuel up the just jet, can't do yeah. wrong. Yep. He's just lucky. That was another, like, I couldn't help but notice uh, Carrie, uh, Laura's twin. Mm-hmm. The name right, right? It's Carrie. Yeah. I, was, Carrie I, Page, keep, yeah. I keep confusing myself. All anyway, the names make Carrie, sense. Yeah, Carrie has a, a horseshoe necklace. Did you notice uh-huh. that? Oh, I was I trying to connect that. that to something, but I didn't. Like, huh. I don't know how that yeah, fits I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if it does. Because I know we're seeing, like, uh, we're seeing symbolism that would have been from the show, from the Twin Peaks reality, mm-hmm. you know, from Richard's dream, whatever it may be, like mm-hmm. the silver Mustang and yeah. the telephone pole with the six on it mm-hmm. and Judy, which is like leads, leads him to the character that he thinks is Laura. So... I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. I keep like this is a part of the problem with discussing the show is that it's so easy to just. We've definitely talked about this. You just start rambling, and you don't like even go in all these directions. Yeah, you yeah, it's easy to go to where he started. I don't think there's. Yeah. I can't think of another show that has that kind of discourse about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Like what else? What else creates this kind of uh, this sort of fan space? This like storytelling space that we have around yeah. it. Like, I mean, probably the most talked about show. Uh, in addition to Twin Peaks would be like Game of Thrones. And mm-hmm. it seems like most of that is like speculation. Like yeah. People like to speculate. Not that people don't like to speculate with Twin Peaks, but with Twin Peaks, we're talking about like, what does it mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, what what was the symbolism behind it? Like, much deeper yeah. questions, much, much right. bigger questions associated with it. Um, I will make another plug for The Leftovers on HBO. I know yeah. nobody watches this show. <laughs> but uh, my wife and I literally talked about it for like an hour every day for like two weeks after wow. this, after the series ended. Um, just like so much to explore. So I, I think uh, Twin Peaks is even more dense this season <laughs> than after seeing it. Um, but it also, at that same time, uh, made me realize Damon Lindelof, who was the like the showrunner on The Leftovers, um, is a huge David Lynch and particularly Twin Peaks fan. Um, so made it all kind of like come together much more. But I love throwing out another plug for that show. Um, uh, that makes me want to give it a shot. I think I still have a, uh, an HBO membership for another couple of weeks. Yeah. So, I will at least say uh, definitely get through the second season. Um, yeah. It, it gets a lot more interesting. Uh, I did want to talk about a few other little things um, that are interesting. One of my favorite moments was, I think maybe in episode 12 or 13 where, you know, Becky is sort of like taken off with, um, with a gun to go confront her husband, um, who she, she, uh, thinks is cheating, who is, you know, essentially cheating on her. And after, she sort of is brought back from that, you know, her parents, Bobby and Shelly are having like a sit down with her at the diner. Um, and it was such a like mix of emotions again, that whole sequence, like to see Bobby and Shelly again together, uh, 
was just like like a nostalgia shot, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and and kind of lovely, and to see you know Bobby sort of changed, and then yeah. At the end of that scene, we learn, like, Shelly hasn't changed as much as we think. Like, she's still hooking <laughs> sure. up with, like, the drug dealer in town. Yeah. Um, but then, like, it transitions into just, like, a, one of the most surreal moments, I think. Uh, a Bobby going to check out this, like, random f- shot fired into the diner. And uh, the way he, like, stares at this little kid and he stares back at him kind of defiantly. Uh, and now that I think about it, he had, the little kid had like a very like Western cowboy stance. I don't know if you remember yeah. that. Um, yeah. And then there's like the woman honking the horn, and he goes to, to talk to her. Yeah. yeah. And then like I think it's a girl. She says is with her, and she's like almost like in a zombie state, like spewing yeah. out, you know, just like throwing up and like coming towards them. And then the scene just ends, and we never hear anything about it. Um, right. But that whole, like, sequence of events was so, like, up and down emotions um, was one of my, like, favorite, I guess, just because it stood out to me so much. Yeah. But, I I mean, the only thing, again, I can make sense of this is, like, there's just, like, this sense of, like, things spinning out of control in this world or, like, violence escalating and spreading almost like a virus between yeah. people or like, something. Yeah, that, that sense of anxiety just heightened. Yeah, he- yeah. Heightened anxiety, sure. But I don't know, like, I don't know what another season of Twin Peaks would look like. Like, I know, like, it seems like we don't have resolution, but I think I think that's the story, though, I think... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's just where it's going to have to be. That's where we're going to have to leave it. And I'm okay with leaving it here. Like it's, uh, I mean, it's not going to satisfy everybody, but it yeah. works for me personally. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a hard one. I mean, I'm not, I would sort of like more, but that may complicate things even more, you know? And the more we kind of talk through it, it kind of seems like maybe he did kind of end it the way he wanted and say what he wanted. It's just kind of going to take us a while to process all that. Yeah. What if it comes back and Laura is alive, current age, (laughs) you know. In Twin Peaks. Shirley, yeah, alive in Twin Peaks, has been alive this whole time, and Cooper is not in it at all. (laughs) There's no FBI presence whatsoever. There's no FBI presence. Yeah, that would be weird. Although I was going to say Gordon Cole is just like completely the main character now. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. just completely puts himself front and center well i would um, i wouldn't mind seeing tammy again i like tammy yeah i wish i would have i wish i saw she's more kind of, of a tammy. blank slate through most of it but i yep. started to like her as, as it kind of went on but yeah she's kind of like the character i guess in the secret history of twin peaks yeah she's um, the writer of the she's the writer history, yeah it's yeah. not really like a novel so much but it's like a dossier a, yep right? yeah which is kind of interesting. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, she was really great to play off of, I think, Albert and Gordon Cole. <laughs> Those scenes became some of my favorite, were so funny. And sometimes I didn't know what was happening with Gordon Cole, like when he has like the French woman in his room mm-hmm. and we just get mm-hmm. the prolonged exit yeah. from the room. People were really mad at that episode in general <laughs> because it just feels like a filler episode. Yeah, that's true. There were some enjoyable moments, though. Um, yeah, it's fine. I don't care. That's yeah. what they want. They're like, there's a certain art in it. Like, at a certain point, I just want the affect of the show. I'll just, yep. I'll just sit yep. there and absorb it. I don't want to have to think about the plot. 
Twin Peaks is a show where you could do that. Like, I, I think we kind of started off talking about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it certainly does hold true for those moments. I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that was some of the joy of the show. Also, David Lynch presented sort of as like a dirty old man in some ways, too. Yeah, he knows uh, it. Yeah, <laughs> he knows well, what he's doing. He's well aware. He's playing off of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's almost sort of hard to talk about this show now that we're at the end of it and sort yeah. of try to grasp the whole thing. Uh, in some ways, like all the things we've talked about and we've kind of gotten to maybe some like clarity on some of it. But then I think of other moments like previous in the show and I'm like, well, what did that mean? Um, or where did, how does that fit into things? And like you said, I don't know that it's supposed to completely, but I think that's not going to still stop me from sort of seeking meaning in some of those. Oh, I know one of the things I was going to ask your impression of, I heard the opinion that, you know, Judy or Jaude was, could be like a concept of sort of like death and that Lynch is sort of exploring through like these characters now, like anxiety around sort of death and I think that might play into the idea of a, somebody's story ending, like as a yeah. kind of death. We could take this super meta, like this could be David Lynch's last sort of main work that he does, that he releases as he gets older. Hopefully he does some other things, but, you know, this could be his sort of swan song. And so he knows he's kind of dealing with all of these ideas that he's been exploring yeah. in all of his work. <clears throat> but I thought that was a really interesting concept that, you know, we mainly kind of see it as some sort of like evil spirit or um, I can't remember exactly how Cole phrases it when he talks about uh, Judy. But, you know, I think also like Mr. C is trying to find Judy in like a almost like a transcendent sort of way. Like he's sort yeah. of going to meet this profound spirit and whether it's evil, like to him may not feel evil. It's just called an ancient entity and powerful negative force. Powerful negative force. Yeah. Yeah. That's according to the twin peaks wiki. Okay. Um, Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, And I think, I think think is, um, I think it's the mother from the glass box and I think it's Sarah Palmer. I agree. If this is, if this is Laura's dream, Mm -hmm. then like she's, She's and she's in she has an abusive household, yeah. And she's seeing that, uh, this resentment from her mother that her mother wants wants her dad, like mm-hmm. she's stabbing at the uh, stabbing at the pitcher, right? You yeah. know, and because because of what we know of like moms in abusive households are often enablers or mm-hmm. can be enablers, yeah. So I think there's like some like mother daughter. Anxiety, like this negative force, is equated with Sarah Palmer, is this like thing that just destroys, like just destroys affection. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. By the way, we get some uh, pretty creepy scenes with Sarah Palmer in this yeah. last end of the season, like when she uh, bites mm-hmm. the neck um, out of one of the guys. Yeah, that was in the great. bar. I thought yeah. it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. At least she takes her face off. Yep. Yeah, she's you pretty know. creepy in general yeah. in this uh, this part of the series. I you know, more and more I'm starting to think that this is a, this is Laura's dream. Hmm. Like, hmm. more and more and more I'm starting to think that the show is, like, is that, 
Um, yeah. Because, like, she's kind of cast as the hero in her own dream. Mm. She's got this um, this sense of, like, where she has came from. Yeah. And uh, I think you're absolutely right that the Laura that we hear being called is her mom on the morning where she's missing. Mm. She thinks she's sleeping. Right. So she's, right. like, calling her to get up. I think that's, I think that's correct. I think it's the same sound mm. file. Hmm. And which, uh, in light of, you know, her mother maybe being Judy or, you know, somehow they're connected. Like, mm-hmm. we don't know which reality she's sort of waking up to, but, like, that could be scary as well. <laughs> yeah. I feel like um, there's there's multiple <clears throat> dreamers, there's multiple dreams, and they, like, interconnect. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's hard to say. I, I think, you know, it's interesting looking at the big picture that sort of Cooper – and Mr. C were almost after the same thing that they were both sort of after Judy Cooper's trying to stop Judy and Mr. C seems to just want to, you know, I don't know wants, what he wants to why we don't really know. He's just yeah. We don't really know. Yeah. He wants to find it. Yeah. He keeps like is fascinated with these coordinates to, yeah. to get to maybe Judy. We don't know. It seems like, uh, the fireman sort of had it under control the whole time. <laughs> Right. And, Ma- and Major Briggs floating head <laughs> helping out. Yeah, which is great. Somebody <laughs> somebody photoshopped that onto the uh floating head from the Power Rangers. I thought it was just, like, that's like exactly that's what I that's exactly that's what, what I you were thinking. Of. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's I saw that and it was just like, why does this seem familiar to me? And it was yeah. that thing in the Power Rangers. That's yeah. exactly it. Um, the guy in the lava lamp. Yeah. That is. I'm sort of bouncing around at this point, but I also love uh sort of love hate how bad the effects were when Bob is sort of defeated and this ball uh, bouncing around and yeah, yeah, yeah. like sort of just it was barely really just kind of absurd, wasn't it? Yeah. It was yeah. It was pretty silly. Moment of absurdity. Yep. But that's yep. like, there's so much, there's so much absurdity though with the glove, you yep. know, the power glove guy, <laughs> yeah. British power glove guy. Yeah. Like superpowers now. And yeah, I, lo- I love it. It goes off the rails, you know, yeah. <laughs> like it gives, it becomes, I don't know. I enjoy I it, though. I don't know whose idea that was originally, but I love uh, the idea of being in, like, a story meeting for this. <laughs> and, you know, Lynch kind of being like, yeah, you know, we're going to defeat uh, Bob, and there's going to be a British guy with a green glove on. And he's got a he's glove. He can't, power. can't take off yeah, the glove. Can't take off the glove. And we'll just make him uh, – we'll get him in the right place so he can take out Bob. It's really interesting. Deus yeah. Ex Machina. They just like <laughs> set up. Like yeah. literally, we've got like a god character, like some kind of benevolent deity that's mm-hmm. like putting setting everything in setting place. everything up. Yeah, yeah. That's really so interesting. that Bob can be taken out. Yeah, it's crazy. I think uh, we can probably wrap up here. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you have any other thoughts that you want to mention. Um, no, I, just, like, I, I really enjoyed it. And I don't know that like culturally or intellectually, we're going to have another show that can inspire this, this much like yeah. In people. Yeah. Um, just like in terms of the scope of it, the content mm-hmm. of it, the nostalgia factor. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that yeah. it exists. It was, it was a very unique experience. I'm very happy to have been there for it. It was really fun mm-hmm. to watch it week per week. Yeah. Uh, um, rather than binging, you know. Yeah, like I totally so agree. Often do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it was a weird mix of like, I think in some ways they gave us nostalgic moments like Big Ed and Norma too. 
like that was just really lovely almost yeah. brought like <laughs> tears to my eyes like them see- seeing them to come together and i mean just seeing some of those old characters again was so wonderful after all this time in their sort of same environment but then like we had more audrey that's all more audrey then, yeah then the I agree. audrey factor is like <laughs> it's the only way you failed me yeah i was like yeah. if i was gonna write it if i was gonna uh-huh. write like twin peaks uh season three yeah it would be like uh audrey was so inspired by cooper that she's an fbi agent now <laughs> it would be like fbi agent audrey Right, right. That would be that would be what I wanted. The detective show of yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a detective show. That would be the detective cool. show where she dates an eccentric comic book writer. Yeah, um, but that would just that's my fan fiction. So just- yeah, I mean, uh, I was still like amazed at like when she, you know, I was sort of mixed when they said like, all right, this is Audrey's dance, and she comes out. I was like, this could be really bad. Um, but actually it was, it was really lovely too. Um, mm-hmm. and she, she like jumped right back into that, you know? So mm-hmm. I agree. I would have liked to have seen more of just her on screen being Audrey in general. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think there we'll continue to think about this show and, and discuss it and maybe we will revisit it as like the whole internet community (laughs) um explores it and we may new things may be revealed but yeah thanks uh thanks for being on the show man always a pleasure thanks eli yeah and thank you for listening